Welcome. In Parshas Bullock, we read that Bullock, the king of Moyav, was nervous about the impending approach of Am Yisrael on their way towards Eretz Yisrael. He thought that they would wage war with him. And so he sent a message to a local prophet named Bilaam. Bilaam had been successful in the past in helping certain kings conquer certain lands. Bullock sent messengers to Bilaam, and Bilaam told them to stay for the night. And at night, who came to Bilaam and told him, don't go with these people. I do not allow you to, uh, to curse Klai Yisrael, which is what Bullock wanted Bilaam to do. The messengers went back to Bullock, and they told him what happened. And Bullock decided that he would send higher-ranking officers to, to Bilaam and try to convince him to, to come and to curse the, the Am Yisrael. And these higher ranking officers, they went back to Bilaam with the following message from Balak. Because I will honor you very much. I will reward you very greatly. And whatever you say to me, whatever is necessary that I need to do, in order to secure this service of yours, I will do it. Come now, go now, and curse for me this people. And Bilam answered and he said, He said to the servants of Bullock, If Bullock will give me the fullness of his house in silver and gold, going to say it means if you will give me all the silver and gold that he has I am not able to transgress the mouth the word of Hashem my God to do a small thing or a big thing in other words I'm a man of my principles no matter how much money Bullock gives me I cannot go against what Hashem says. And since Hashem told me not to curse the Am Yisrael, I can't do it. That is perhaps how we would read the Pusik if left on our own. Rashi, however, as we're going to see in a moment, Rashi sees somehow in Bilaam's words a very, a very bad meter. He sees something nefarious about what Bilaam is saying. One might read this Pusik and say, that in this Pasuk, Bilaam is um, displaying a very good character trait. He's displaying his loyalty to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he's a, he's a prophet and he only repeats what God tells him. And it doesn't matter how much you pay him, he's not gonna say anything other than what Hashem tells him. But as we'll see now in Rashi, Rashi turns this statement of Bilaam into something nefarious. The fullness of his house, in silver and gold, says Rashi, Lamadna, we learn, that the soul of Bilaam was very broad. He had certain broad ideas. We'll see in a moment what that means. And he desired other people's money. He was a greedy person who wanted other people's money, other people's property. Amar, he said, Bullock is really, it is really fitting for him that he should give to me all of his silver and gold. 
Sharei, because if not for me, he would have to hire many soldiers in order to fight against Am Yisrael. It's a doubt whether he would win. It's a doubt whether he would not win. But I, Bilam, the prophet, the prophet of Hashem, if I will uh, curse the nation, for, for surely, Balak will win the war. So therefore, really, Balak should be giving me He should be giving me all the silver and gold in his household. Only thing is, I can't do it because I can't go against the word of Hashem. Maskil the David and others raised two questions on this Rashi. First question is, what caused Rashi to conclude that Bilam had a nefesh rechava, that he had a very broad, greedy soul. Why can't we just say that Bilam was expressing, expressing his commitment to God's will at any cost, as we understood the Pasuk in the first place? How does Rashi know that Bilam is saying something mean and greedy over here, something, something of a low character? Maybe he's saying something actually of very high character, very noble character. I cannot do anything unless God approves, no matter how much you pay me. That sounds like a very noble statement. How did Rashi know that there was something ignoble in his statement? Question number two is based on a Mishnah in the Sefer of us. This Rashi uh, seems to contradict a Mishnah in the Sefer of us. It's really in a brisa that is traditionally attached to the Sefer of us. It's called the sixth Perak of Masechta Ovis. The Mishnah of Masechta Ovis really only has five prokin. But, but the sixth, a, a brysa is traditionally attached and traditionally learned together with Masechta Ovis. Okay, yes or no, it's part of Masechta Ovis, not part of Masechta Ovis. It's a very important piece of Torah, the whole Perak. Let's learn Mishnah test. It's a little bit long, but it's a uh, it's worth seeing, of course. One time I was walking along the road. And a certain person met me. A certain person came across me. He gave me Sholem. He said, hello. And I gave him Sholem. And he said to me, Rabbi, from what place are you? Where do you come from? I said to him, I am from a great city of wise men and scribes. Marley, he said to me, Rabbi, do you desire, is it your will, that you can come live with us in our place? Could you come live where I live? I will give you thousands of thousands of golden coins, and precious stones, and pearls. Come live where we are, and we'll make you rich. I said to him, Bini, my son, if you give me all of the silver and the gold and all of the precious stones and all of the pearls in the world, I will only live in a place of Torah. 
And the Mishnah goes on, um, et cetera, et cetera. The Mishnah talks about the importance of Torah. But let's analyze for a moment. Let's pause here and look at this answer that Rabbi Yaisi ben Kisma gave to this person. He said, if you give me all of the silver and the gold, all of the silver and the gold, and precious stones and pearls in the world, I will only dwell in a place of Torah. Now, Rashi, nor any of the other comment, commentaries on Pirkei Yavais, they do not say that we see here that Rabbi Yaisi ben Kisma had a nefesh rechava. He wants a lot of money. He's greedy. As you see, he mentioned to this man, even if you give me all the money in the world, even if you give me all of the gold and the silver, I wouldn't leave my place of Torah. Sounds like, follow the Rashi in, in Parshish Bolam, Parshish Bolak, we should say here also that, that Rabbi Yaisi ben Kisma was interested in the money. That's why he mentioned it. Master the David says, Chas v'sholem. God forbid we should say that that's the intent of Rabbi Yosef and Kisma. But, but why don't we say that? Why is it that when Bilam says such words, we say he's a Russia, he's greedy? And when Rabbi Yosef and Kisma says the same thing, why did the Mishnah seems to be praising him for saying this? We say he's a man of principle. He will not leave his place of Torah, no matter how much money you give him. Those are the two questions that the Moscow of David raises. The Moscow the Dovin answers as follows. There is a small but very important difference between the two statements, the statement of Bilam and the statement of Rabbi Yosef and Kisma. Bilam says, Bilam talks about the fullness of his house, gold and silver, meaning all of the gold and silver that's in the house of Bullock. If Bullock will give me all of his gold and silver, I still won't go against Hashem. What does Rabbi Yosef and Kisma say? Similar, but not quite the same. He says, if you will give me all of the silver and gold and pearls in the world, in the world, I will not accept your request to go live with you. What's the difference between saying all your gold and silver, all his gold and silver, and saying all the gold and silver in the world? Difference is as follows that the Maskal the Dove doesn't uh, spell this out 100%, but I think this is what he means. If I say I will not violate my principles, even if you can give me all of the gold and silver in the world, that's simply an exaggeration. Nobody is, is capable of giving me all the gold and silver in the world. Certainly not this fellow that Rabbi Yosef and Kisma met on the street somewhere. It's merely an exaggeration. It's a way of talking. It's saying, no matter what you do, I am not violating my principles. I'm not moving away from the place where I live because it is a Mokham Torah. However, when you talk about something finite, when Bilam said that if Bullock will give to me the fullness of Bullock's house in silver and gold, meaning he said if Bullock will give me all of his gold and silver, He's talking about a finite amount of gold and silver, which is available to Bullock, which Bullock has in his possession, and which Bullock could, could give to him. There, that shows that you're greedy. There, that shows that you really are interested in that finite amount of gold and silver. It's a lot of gold and silver. It'll certainly make you rich, but it's finite. It's not some 
totally exaggerated statement, which is just made for poetic effect. It means you're thinking about it. You're thinking about trying to get a hold of all the gold and silver in Bullock's house. And that's the quote unquote, the crime that Billam was guilty of. This is the answer of the mask of the double. However, there's a question we can ask on this. This question I saw in uh, Rabbi Herzog's Sefer Darche Rashi, and he is quoting there a commentary on Rashi called the Erba Sadeh. There is a parsha, there is a story in Sefer Molochem Aleph, Herik Gimel, that to make a long story short, uh, Yeruvam ben Nevat, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, the, the rebel kingdom of Chal Yisrael. He was standing on a Mizbeach in Basel, not the proper Mizbeach. There was a Besamikdash at the time. You're only supposed to bring Korbanis in the Besamikdash, but Rav um, ben Nevat was at his, uh, his, his, uh, his Besamikdash that he had established, and he was standing on the Mizbeach Lahaktir to bring Ketoris. And an Yeshua Elohim, a man of God, meaning a Navi, came and said that uh, that uh, that a king named Yoshiyahu is going to come and he's going to become the king of Yehuda. And he will slaughter upon you, meaning he will slaughter upon the Mizbeach, the Kehanim of the Bamais, of the temporary Mizbeachis, the temporary Mizbeach, Hamaktira Malecha, who are bringing Ketoris and burning other Korbanas upon you, and the bones of people, they will burn upon you. Now, when the king heard this, that this Navi is prophesying that, that God is going to destroy his, his, uh, his personal Mizbeach, his, uh, his national Mizbeach in his renegade kingdom. So, of course, the king was not too happy. It says, Yeruvam lifted up his hand from on the Mizbeach, from up above the Mizbeach, saying, Tifsuhu, grab him. He like lifted up his hands towards his assistants. Grab that man, grab that Novi. And the hand that he had sent forth to, to, towards this Ishu Elohim, Vativash, it dried out. His hand somehow became dry and paralyzed. And he was not able to bring the hand back to his hand just froze in midair. And then the Mizbeach was uh, torn asunder and the ashes on the Mizbeach spilled to the ground and a uh, very bad scene for Yeruvah. Now Yeruvah has to beg mercy from the, from the Navi. Let's read a little bit from Pasuk Pog. The king answered, the king lifted up his voice and he said to this man of God, to this Navi, Beseech the face of Hashem your God and pray for me and allow my hand to return to me. And so this man of Hashem, this Navi, he prayed, he approached Hashem in prayer, and the hand 
of the king came back. He was able to bring his hand back and move it about. Move it about. And it was as it was in the beginning. The king spoke to this man of, of God. Come with me home. Come home to me to the palace. And have a nice suda. Have a nice, have a nice meal with me. And I will give you a matos, like a matana. I'll give you a gift. Thank you very much. You saved my hand. Come have dinner with me, and I'll give you a gift. So this man of God, this Navi, he answered to the, he said to the king, If you will give me half of your household, I will not come with you. And I will not eat bread. And I will not eat bread and I will not drink water in this place, etc. So again, saying, I'm a man of principle. I'm not eating with you, and I'm not drinking with you, and I'm not having anything to do with you. I gave you my prophecy, and I showed you what Hashem wants to do with you and your, you and your uh, improper Mizbeach. Now I'm out of here. He says, even if you'll give me half of your household, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to eat with you, and I'm not going to associate with you. Now, here we see, seems to contradict, seems to raise a problem with the Moscow the David's answer. The Moscow the David answered that when do we say that the person is greedy if he mentions money? And he says, I will not break my principles even if you give me a lot of money. When do we say that? That's if he, that's if he uh, mentions a specific and limited amount of money. If he mentions just all the money in the world, that's mere exaggeration. That's just a way of saying, no matter what, I will not violate my principles. If he mentions a limited and available amount of money, then we say he's really looking for that money. He's really a greedy person. Now we have a problem. Here we have this Ishoelo king. We have this man of God. We have this Navi who is here speaking and acting on behalf of a Kodesh Oracle. He is the He's the good guy in this story. Yerobam's the bad guy. This Yeshua Elohim is the good guy. And what does he say to Yerobam? You're inviting me for dinner. I can't come. Even if you'll give me even if you'll give me half of your household, give me half of your wealth, I'm not coming. Here, he is mentioning a finite and available sum of property. Why don't we say that this shows why don't we say that this shows to us that this issue Elohim is not really so holy. Really, he's trying to get a hold of uh, Yerubim, some of half of Yerubim's wealth. I think the answer has to be that there's a difference between mentioning all of your money. If I say, no matter, even if you give me all of your money, I'm not violating my principles. That means I'm interested in all of your money. That means I'm greedy. But if I say, I will not violate my principles. Even if you give me half of your money, that's different. That's, that doesn't show greed in the same way. I'm not 100% I'm not convinced of this, this answer. We have to say an answer here. Um, do, I, 
feeling in my bones that this is the correct answer. Not 100%, but I think the answer is in this direction, that it's different when you mention half of the person's money. That does not show the same greed. That perhaps is a, uh, that's a legitimate amount that the person might offer you. It's not because I'm interested in it. I'm just saying, whatever you might offer me, I'm not accepting. Not interested. It would seem that that's how we have to be mechalic. That's how, how we have to draw the distinction between uh, the case of Bilam and the case of this Ishu Elokim. If we go back to Rashi, I think we can see that the Maskal Ladovitz approach is really exactly what Rashi is saying. Rashi is very careful with his words. He's really telling us exactly what the Maskal Ladovitz says. Rashi says, We see that Bilam's soul was broad. It was very, uh, he wanted to acquire lots of things, material things. And he desired other people's money. So Omar, he said, Firstly, he says, It is appropriate for Bullock. We're talking about what is in Bullock's hands, what is within his powers. It is Roy Low, Litain Li, Kol Kesef is All of the silver and gold shall low of his. Now Rashi here is adding, explaining two things that are not 100% clear in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, the fullness of his house. Exactly what's the meaning of is not so easy to know. But Rashi says it means, what Bilaam what, what was mentioning was all of the silver and gold and Shaloi, specifically of his, meaning that belonged to Bullock. So you see here both aspects of the Masculine Dove's answer. That the only time we say that a person who mentions money when he's saying, I will not break my principles, it's only if he mentions all the money and he has to specify whose money, the money of the person that he's talking to. So he's talking about a reality. He's talking about something which he really could get his hands on. He could get that person's money if that person is willing to give it to him. And he's not only mentioning half of the money, like in, say, from Elohim, that wouldn't uh, render him, that would not show to us that he's a but rather it's only if he wants so we have here an example where I think we see the precision with which Rashi wrote his commentary. And really the questions that the Mephoshim are answering, that they're asking, and the answers that they're giving, really Rashi said it all already in just a few little words. But for the remainder of this year, I'd like to go back and discuss a point that always concerned me in this Mishnah or in this Brisa of Masechta Ovas. This person met Rabbi Yosef and Kisma on the road, and he said to him, Would you like to live in our place? 
and I'll give you lots of silver and gold and jewels and 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 uh, and pearls, etc. I'll give you all kinds of wealth. Okay. What did Rabbi Yosef and Kisma answered? No. What did he answer? No matter how much you could give me all the silver and the gold in the world, any dar elavim kaim Torah. I will only dwell in a place of Torah. Now, what always bothered me a little bit is, what if the reason that this person wanted Rabbi Yossi ben Kisman to, to live in his town is so that he could teach them Torah, so that he could share his Torah with them. He started by asking him, where are you from? First of all, he called him rabbi. He saw that he's a rabbi. Then he said, where are you from? And Rabbi Yosef ben Kispa told him, he's from an ir gedoyla shalchachamim v'shal seifer. I'm from a city that has a lot of Torah, a lot of wisdom. Then the person said, well, would you like to come live with us? Sounds like to me, he wants Rabbi Yosef ben Kispa to come live there in order to be Marbit's Torah, in order to teach Torah to those people. What does Rabbi Yosef ben Kispa answer? I sit in Kailo, I don't teach anybody Torah. I just stay in my Mokham Torah. Well, is that, is that the correct attitude? Uh, question. I saw that this question is raised by Don Yitzhak, Rabbi Don Yitzhak Abarbanel, by the Abarbanel, or probably more properly, his name should be pronounced Abarbanel. He has descendants today who very proudly pronounce the name Abarbanel. But okay, the Abarbanel uh, typically in all of his commentaries on Tanakh here on, on Pirkei Avais, he has a style that is absolutely different uh, from what we're used to in Rashi or even in Ramban uh, or some of the other Mepharshi uh, HaMikra that we very often discuss. The Abarbanel takes a section of text Chumash, he might take a whole section of 10 or 20 psukim. Here in Pirkeovis, he's taking one whole Mishnah, and he raises numerous questions. He writes down all of the questions that bothered him, all of the questions that one could ask about that piece of text without giving the answers. He writes down all the questions, and then he starts uh, giving a drusha. He gives a speech, so to speak, about the, the, the piece of text or about the Mishnah. And as he goes along, he says, I said this, that answers question number one. And now I'm gonna make this point and then answers question number three and number four. And then uh, you have to understand like this and that answers question number two. In his exposition of the, of the Parsha or of the Mishnah, he will then tell you how his approach answers all the different questions. Well, on this one Mishnah in Pirkei I believe he asked something like 16 or 17 different questions. We're only going to look at one. That is his She'ela or Suffolk Shviyas, his seventh question. Even if we will agree, even if we will assume that in the place where this man came from, they were not Balei Torah. They were not Talmud Yechachamim there. If they were choosing Rabbi Yossi to come be Marbit's Torah there, to come spread Torah there, the Lilmud Mimenu, and to learn from him, 
probably why they wanted him to come there was to teach them. So So then the question is, why wouldn't Rabbi Yaisi Ben Kisma go and live amongst them? In order to give merit to the many people in that city. And he will there, thereby be one of the Talmidim of Aaron. He will be someone who loves peace and chases after peace and loves the creatures. He loves human beings. And he brings them closer to Torah. You see from that, that's a Mishnah also in Perpiyavos. You see from there that to be Makariv Latura, to bring people closer to the Torah, that's a very good thing. That's the Mida of Aaron Akayim. So, why didn't uh, Rabbi Yaisi ben Kisma want to do that? Why did he say, no, 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 I'm sitting in my city, I'm sitting in Bnei Brak and Kailan. I'm not going to help you. Why? So the Abarbanel, Kedarka Bakaydish, he goes on and on and on, and he explains many, many different things about the Mishnah. And we're just going to pick out a few short points where he answers this one particular question. He points out that when this man asked Rabbi Yaisi to come, live with, to come live with them, he said the following words. He used the following expression. Is it your will, is it your desire to come live in our place? He didn't say, is it your opinion? Is it your decision? But rather he said, is it your will? Because this person was asking about Rabbi Yaisi's Rotzain, which follows a person's tava, a person's desires. He wasn't asking him, uh, have you made up your mind or could you make up your mind logically that it would be best to come live with us? No. He said, is it your Rotzain? Do you feel like coming to us? As if he had said, Is it good with your self? Is it, is it okay with you that you will come live with us? This means to say, that your main uh, your main business will be with uh, temporal matters, with, with matters of the marketplace and so on. In our maizim, in the things that we do, in the jobs that we have, we iskenu in the things that we busy ourselves with. Is that, would you like to come join us? Would you like to come to our town? We have a lot of business. We have a very active uh, business market. And you can place your thoughts with us. You can get involved in business like we are. It's a in and this will remove you from the Torah. He says, and Bedira and says, and you will do this like those people who put aside the Chayeolam, they put aside their, their business with the eternal world, which is Torah and Mitzvah, and instead they just involve themselves with Chaye Shaw. The Barbanel says, he is medayek. He, he looks very precisely at the words this person says, and he, and, 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 he, and, he, and he explains that this person did not want Rabbi Yosef and Kisma to come and be their teacher of Torah and to teach them Torah. He was saying, you know, Rabbi, why don't you come with us and live the good life? And finally, the Abarbanel says, 
We have now answered the sixth and the seventh question. The sixth question we didn't mention. The seventh question is the one we're talking about. Why didn't Rabbi Yossi want to go live there? Did he want to teach them Torah? Because from the words of the person who was speaking to him, Rabbi Yossi understood that the person wanted to remove him from Torah, and that he should just busy himself with temporal life. And therefore, Rabbi Yossi said, if that's the choice, I'm staying in the Kailu and B'nai Brak. There's nowhere to go. We see here two things, two, two uh, quote-unquote halachas. I'm not talking now halacha l'maysa. Uh, first of all, I'm not uh, qualified. And secondly, this is not the place for it. But we see here two, two fundamental points, I think, according to Abarbanel. Number one, if you could be like Aaron Akayin, if you could go and be Makarib Latera, if you could bring people closer to Torah, then you should. The reason Rabbi Yaisi said no is because that's not what they wanted him for. If they don't want it, they just want him to be like one of them, then it's not going to work. But if you could do it, that is, that is something that you should do. But we also see that if a person is going to go and is going to be, going to be Makarib Latera, he has to be very careful. He can't leave the yeshiva in, in, just in order to go leave, leave, live the good life and say, and he can't fool himself. Say, you know, I'm going to live in, uh, in, uh, in the French Riviera to be the car of the Jews who come there for vacation. You know, maybe you're going to the French Riviera to enjoy the beach over there. Maybe that's really why you're going. Maybe that's really why they want you there. Maybe that's why they invited you to be your rabbi. Not because they really want a rabbi, but uh, they thought they would be nice. And uh, uh, they would give you a nice uh, villa on the beach. So you have to, you have to, first one must know when he's really going, the Karev Latoira, he's really going to bring people closer to the Torah, then that could be a good thing. If he's going merely to, to go live the good life like those people, then, then uh, he's got to stay in Kailul and Menebrak. Any dar, Ella, in Kayan Torah.